0: Ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, this is Larry Charles, the half host of Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. And joining me today, as always, best friend in the studio, the beatboxer, the breakdancer himself, Mr. Brandon Fan.
1: Chica, chica, what? Here's the other half, of Brandon Fan. What the hell are you guys doing?
0: Hopefully, everybody's doing well. Um, this week, we're not doing a guest. Uh, we spent all of our budget on flying out and putting people up in hotels. Now we got to go back to old school, episode one. Where Brandon and I, you know, talk about what we've been doing with uh, Game School Online, uh, Game Dev Unchained, and the book, and then we're going to talk about some industry news. How does that sound?
1: Sounds great, man. Like, uh, hopefully, we can do more of these where, in between talking to guests, maybe every six episodes or so, we we'll get back together and just talk about current news and trends. Yeah,
0: exactly. We are going to unchain everyone from their desks in the game industry and show them all the opportunities out there in the world.
1: Yeah. So, like, <laughs> six episodes ago, man we've come a long way so like when we uh, released it a week ago uh the podcast our hopes has always been like we'll get more than one listener, but it's actually a pretty yeah, well pretty received like we we're going international in a way we have people all over the map listening
0: yeah uh, can you name some of the places i saw let's see uk i saw australia uh, I think we saw some Bangladesh or something like that.
1: Like Bangladesh. Yeah, we got New Zealand, uh, Lithuania, Serbia, India, Australia. I don't know how 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 how's our reach over there. I didn't talk to anyone on that side. Well, um,
0: you can search for the podcast on SoundCloud. You can search for the podcast on iTunes. So if you look for game development or like Game Dev Unchained or you look up game industry, uh, I think we're ranking for those things as long as you're looking on SoundCloud and iTunes. So um, for all the international listeners and all the domestic listeners near, far, wherever you are, thank you very much for supporting Game Dev Unchained. Uh, We love doing this show for you guys, but we definitely appreciate
1: support. Yeah, support is nice. I mean, I'm doing this show for me, in a way. <laughs> Let's just be clear about that. But uh, it, it's an educational platform for both Larry and I at the same time. We, we know the value in the guests that we bring on and what they need to talk about. So uh, I'm glad that people see it the way we do. And uh, we have exciting episodes coming up, so just stay tuned.
0: Yeah, we got six more guests ready to go and we start recording the next set of episodes I think, what, Tuesday of next week?
1: Every Tuesday, look forward to uh, a new podcast episode from Game Dev Unchained. Yes, we've officially picked a release
0: day and it's going to be Tuesday. Every single Tuesday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, you can get the latest episode of Game Dev Unchained. Uh, Come rain, snow, high water, or no internet, we'll make sure that the new podcast is up.
1: All right. So... No, along with this podcast, what else did we do? Well, uh,
0: we launched game dev. Unch- oh, excuse me, we launched game school online. <laughs> www.gameschoolonline.com. It's our joint venture where we're showing off how to make really awesome video game development things.
1: Yeah, like it also play. like
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clay temples and zebra. I mean, like a lot of the tutorials are up there, but it, it is another way to unchain game development. We are having services up in process right now, in progress, where we're going to help developers go different avenues other than sitting at the desk at work. right? We're, we're looking at different ways so that we can work with people and, at the same time, like help expand the industry in an in a impactful way.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely think that this is something that the industry needs as far as, you know... Top level talent being able to create tutorials and to create these little works and lessons for people who are quote unquote not top level who want to learn who want to get there. You know, we're reaching out to friends and colleagues who have at least achieved a certain level of uh, expertise in their field. To create this educational content for you, so hopefully you guys like it. But just so you guys know, Game School Online may be the parent company that owns the Game Dev Unchained podcast, but the Game Dev Unchained podcast is its own beast. We are here because we're on a mission. We're gonna open up every door and every nook and cranny of the game industry, shine a flashlight, and tell you what we see. Okay?
1: Yeah, definitely. And so. I, if
0: we uh, somehow get blacklisted from the entire game industry, <laughs> then this is all we'll have left. This, this is podcast.
1: all we got. It's so, us and uh, someone in Lithuania. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: so uh, shout out to everyone, uh, you know, China, Taiwan, Nihau, Hao, uh, <laughs> Japan, freaking everywhere on that list that was watching us uh, one more time. Thank you very much. So let's get into this week's episode. Brandon, how are we doing as far as, you know, the school? How do you think? Tutorialized education is going these days, 2015, now that you've been a, a business owner for a whole two weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely see online education being the platform uh, and being able to reach where physical schools aren't able to, right? It's still valuable, of course, to have a physical interaction, uh, being next to your colleague and everything. But a lot of these schools that I've went to and you went to, Many of the listeners probably went to are are segmented in a way where they are forcing general education. They are forcing that diploma uh, to to a three-year program. So you're you're crowding up things where uh, you don't really have to take certain classes, but they kind of force it down, force it down your throat because it, it, it satisfies certain accreditation that they wanna want to really promote. So I mean, online education is a way we can really help students realize that there are options.
0: Yeah, price is definitely, uh, you know, something that people have to keep in mind because not everybody has $130,000 to pay for a college education anymore. And those that do, you know, they're more than welcome to spend it however they
1: want. Moving on, I'm not not (laughs) about
0: us. Yeah, why did they come to listen? So these guys could talk about some damn school that they opened up? No, let's let's get into it. <laughs>
1: Forget about it. So, what 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 are the current news that we got going on? Now?
0: Well, uh, the first thing that I saw on my feed this week was the sad news that uh, Kojima Studio or Kojima Productions is shutting down its LA office, and effective, I guess, immediately, everyone at that studio was laid off and out of a job. It really sucks.
1: Yeah, this is news that's been like pouring out the last few six months, actually. Yeah. where we were hearing things where in, in Japan they were having producers doing janitorial work as a way to force quit them
0: yeah why i don't understand, like why are they trying to get people to quit on purpose is there were they trying to sink the company do you have any other insight into what's going on there or? my feeling
1: is like well it's it's pretty obvious that they made a public announcement saying that they want to go full mobile mm-hmm. and so the AAA uh sector wasn't Earning enough money as much as the mobile, their mobile sector. Oh, so man. that was just a little, just checking the Excel sheet and <laughs> and seeing profits were better on one side of the coin. So I think this is they can't legally just fire people, I guess. And in some way, they just wanted to have them quit <laughs> instead. And so this is one of the methods. Plus, I think Konami kind of has like the big uh, brother complex too. They, they were like, uh, uh, blocking email accounts, the internet. And, uh, whenever you sign on, you, you need like a new user, uh, every time so that it switches the password on you so that, uh, you can't really track the employee on the same computer or whatever. Oh man. Things like that. But that, that's all on Kotaku. Like yeah. these are things that were unveiling itself within the last four months. I feel
0: really bad for anybody who legitimately wanted to work at that company and was like subjected to cleaning toilets and, you know, shameful work details like that. It's that's, that's not cool. You know, I don't understand as a businessman, if you have two pies, right. That belong to the same company. Why don't you just say, okay, well, let's just take the mobile thing and have it be its own entity. And then let's take, even if the AAA sector isn't making as much money as you would like, there's still valuable products coming from that cup. Co- like you just released a metal gear, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm sure you still want to have some sort of ownership over that franchise and make more games in that series. Did the game bomb? I don't think so. Let me look up some sales figures, but
1: no, it definitely made a profit, but not the margins that they are used to seeing. So they, let's say they spend like 2 million or 3 million or, or whatever on a mobile game, but it ended up making like
0: 20,
1: 20 million or 30 million. <laughs> Right, versus like a Metal Gear game that you would be like hundred million, hundred fifty million dollars, and they would get hundred seventy. Yeah, so it was just like the resources, the amount of money they finally just recouped was just not adding up. And this is just where AAA games are heading. Like the development cost is certainly higher. They're just trying to make sense of everything. I don't blame them. It's just their execution on. Changing their uh, plan wasn't very smooth <laughs> yeah. and very nice. Like I was surprised too. So I'm, I'm currently working with someone who came from Kojima Production in LA. All right. So I, I work in LA. So someone uh, just came from that studio uh, as a producer. So Avanash. Yeah, Avanash. Not him, <laughs> but someone else. Okay. Um, but I had to ask, like, how was it? How was it all were all the rumors true because all my information was yeah. coming from uh the articles. Yeah. And it was very surprising because she said that it was uh they were trying to force like who they deem not doing uh contributing to the game to really lowly task in America. Wow. Like <laughs> which was crazy like we actually have labor laws here (laughs) so they were trying they were actually doing some of that stuff over here while that was going down and uh uh, cheapness runs high and on both side of the continents like uh, in japan they were really limiting the employees like they didn't really have any perks like uh what we're used to at game companies it was all about just making the game and Mm -hmm. leaving so in 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 the LA studio, it was pretty much the same type of culture. Very state of the art facility, but like the perks were pretty lame oh, <laughs> compared man. to everything else. Yeah,
0: I'm sad to hear that. There was a there was an opportunity for me to quote unquote check it out. You know, there was a some interest. I'll say, and I you know at the time I respectfully was kind of like ah oh, no you know I'm I'm doing something else, but man. Lord have mercy, if I depended on that and I was over there, oh.
1: Well, the thing was, I was checking it out too. So Kojima, Metal Gear Solid 1 was the reason why I was seriously thinking about uh, becoming a game developer. Yeah. So like, when I first played that game, my experience was much like anyone else who is a hardcore fan of Metal Gear Solid, especially the first one, is that I had no idea that a game can be that deep in story and and that meaningful. So I fell in love with the game. So the opportunity, at least when I saw Kojima opening up a studio in L.A., it was within reach. So it was definitely one of the top studios I would have wanted to work for. Thankfully, I did not go with my dreams (laughs) and avoided that desert storm that they got going. Like how many people were employed there? You've got to be like 150, right, for they were handling the multiplayer part of Metal Gear Solid 5.
0: Yeah, they well, I don't think they were the entire Metal Gear Solid 5 studio, but I definitely know that it was sizable enough that they pretty much locked down the floor of the building that they were in, if not more uh now i'm pulling this out of my ass because i have not been to the campus i'm just basing this off of or excuse me i shouldn't even say campus i haven't been to their location i'm just basing this off of how many people i knew that worked there and you know roughly how many job acquisitions that i knew that they were pulling in over the time that i'd been kind of looking at them you know what i mean yeah Uh, but without getting you know our own personal stories wrapped up into it too much because it may seem a little insensitive i will just say it really sucks for all the people who are there who you know have gone through like working for this game, having a bad experience, having to do lowly tasks and then getting laid off as well. Uh, So just shout out to all the good people who are leaving Kojima. Uh, We wish you well at the game dev unchained podcast. If any of you want to talk to us, you're more than welcome to hit us up.
1: Yes, (laughs) Uh, definitely, man.
0: For sure. Reach out.
1: I would love to hear more of that scoop (laughs) of how it all went down.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody wants to know. And if, there are no longer ties between you and the company, and uh, I don't know, or if, even if you just want to anonymously, anonymously share, you know, you're more than welcome as well. Uh, we're not here to like just you know take information and get a, a scoop and just be like, oh, we have an exclusive. It's not about that. This podcast is because we want to be a voice. We want to be an outlet for lots of people in the game industry that kind of unifies all the developers, you know? Uh, we don't have a game developers union, but all of us as developers are more or less in the same rat race. You know what I mean? Like if you're not owning the studio, you're just an employee almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times it's like these stories are unfortunate, but you know, lessons get learned. And since we're just a small like industry, um, it is all relative. Like a lot of the lessons that uh, someone goes through is, (laughs) we can definitely apply it to ourselves. So if any, you know, if you guys can then reach out, it'd be great to hear from you guys too. It's what it, it feels. It feels like every three, four months we hear this type of thing, and especially in LA studio, right? They were coming out here to like recruit top talents because of all the all the LA studios that are based. Like most of the the top games come from that area, right? Like imagine the people that had the same type of thinking that I had initially, where finally a Metal Gear Solid game that I can work on and kind of probably ditching, like, a pretty stable job just to go to that studio. And how long has it been? Just two, three years, really? Did did they build that whole facility and then (laughs) close it down right afterwards?
0: It's – I I really feel sorry knowing that, like – and I I don't know this, to be true. But if, if somebody was looking at an Excel spreadsheet, like, hmm, the margin on this is no longer higher than 150%. We need to cut it. It's like, wow, you know, (laughs) is it that bad?
1: It's just someone in Japan who just saw the mobile graph in more insane. But it is true. Like, I, I don't condone. I mean, I understand why they did it. I don't, I just don't condone the way they did it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you have data that is generating every day, revenue that is coming in from a relatively small production team that didn't cost as much compared to this grandiose four plus five years of development uh, that is still growing and having no idea if it's going to be a hit, uh, no guarantee whatsoever.
0: Sure. Uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it is 2015. Uh, the game development industry is no longer the cottage industry or the garage industry that it once was where you know, people are talking about hey, I just made a couple levels on this game called Commander Keen. I'm going to put it on a disc and send it to you if you give me five bucks. You know, like we're not in those days anymore where it was fully about just the love. You know, business has gone well over the past 30 years and it's a whole different marketplace now. You know, it's there's a lot more of the corporate, there's a lot more of the uh, the Excel spreadsheet warriors out there who are in charge. And there's a lot less of us who are in charge. So, I don't know. I guess it is what it is, right?
1: Do you see, and uh, we've kind of discussed this before, do you see AAA hitting a point where it is going to plateau?
0: Well, um, the thing about AAA is I feel like the audience that loves AAA right now is just going to get smaller. I don't feel like we're going to see growth in the AAA market. And by but,
1: smaller, you mean older.
0: Well, older and smaller because here's the thing, right? Like when your family gets to a certain size, I, I don't imagine you're going to be like, oh, I can't wait to get my Xbox 3 so that I can <laughs> – or <laughs> play yeah. PlayStation 5. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, I can't wait to – do this and that like cuz you're going to be like hey you know I have 3 kids now I have these other responsibilities my life is now you know a lot less console game and more family stuff you know yeah uh like I want to take my family to go see or to go do and I feel like the console generation is now reaching that point like we're we're no longer the 7 year olds playing Nintendo we're the 35 year olds that are playing Xbox and like starting to look at the big picture and that's what I feel like the console generation is kind of dying down. You know, like look at all the big titles that we had fifteen years ago, right? How many triple A level games came out fifteen years ago compared to now? Like I could just rattle off franchise after franchise after franchise that has died. You know what I mean? Like now it's like uh you got Assassin's Creed, God of War, uh Call of Duty, uh Battlefield.
1: Yeah, and they all have numbers behind them. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like, and, and I'm running out of ideas now. Like, what's another uh, Tomb Raider? Maybe. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the thing. They they would rehash ideas and yeah. then re-release it ten years later. And I think it is true. Like how how you said. Like, um, we're we're kind of making an exit with AAA as the the core fans are growing yeah. out of it. Um,
0: it's and. And it it has a lot to do with customer acquisition as well. So when I think of video game players, right, you have to think about the idea of how many ways people can play video games today compared to when consoles came out, right? We didn't have the mobile. We didn't have the computer games. You had board games. You had those shitty, like, two-battery Tiger electronics. Beep, 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 those things, which were, like, 40 bucks a piece, by the way, I found out. So, Mom, thank you for getting me all those Tiger games. I had no idea they were that expensive back in the day. I thought they were, like, Man. 10 bucks. Right. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, you have iPad games, iPhone games, Apple TV games, uh, freaking browser games, computer games, Steam games, which kind of is the same. Uh, yeah. You have console games. You also have airplane games you have like what else what else Ouya came out and made a thing and like there are and- so many ways that you can just sit down and play electronic video games today but uh, it's just the console isn't what it used to be you know it's it's not it's not a monopolized market anymore and it's so easy for not only little developers to make games but Bigger developers are realizing that they can no longer sustain themselves just being like, ha, 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 we own the big franchise. It's like, well, you know, this guy over here with a couple of people made a game called Crossy Road and their sales just smashed yours. You yeah. know what I mean? One guy made Minecraft and he sold the franchise for $2 billion. What yeah. did you do? You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, so I guess let's use that as a, a segue into the next piece of news then. Activision buys Candy Crush maker King Games. Yeah, like what? <laughs> That's, that was uh, that.
1: pretty unexpected. Like I didn't really hear too much of that until it actually happened. Yeah, uh, like I, I heard both arguments. Like uh, I I play Kindred Crush, but I'm not so deep into it. Oh my god! But like I understand, like the audience <laughs> size was something where maybe it was uh, it's just actors for just seeing like a easy way in. Sure. Well, not well, easy as in they have six billion dollars to spend to To acquire that audience size right off the bat, but as I as I can understand it, like I was talking to a few younger colleagues, they said that <laughs> Candy Crush was kind of like going downhill, right? they like, in popularity, not so many people were playing Candy Crush anymore. Yeah, a good enough, but not uh, definitely not rising as it was uh, when it first came out.
0: So. It's, it almost reminds me of uh, when Draw Something was purchased, right? Like, at the height of its fame, they're releasing all these sales numbers, kind of pumping up their worth. Like, oh, yeah, we're doing a million dollars a day in microtrans. People are buying colors and people are buying words for our game or whatever. Like, And then the advertisement that this thing is generating, we're getting a million dollars a day in revenue or whatever, whatever number it was. And if your only look into that company is through the headlines that they release, then obviously you're starting to buy into some of this hype and you're like, oh, this gravy train is gonna keep on running. If we're gonna buy this company, we can't just buy it for what we think it's worth today, but we also have to incentivize them to let go of the future profits that they could make if they held on to it, right? Yeah. So then you offer this, this I, I'll say, uh, very, very generous number.
1: <laughs> Six billion dollars.
0: And what you acquire doesn't end up being worth anywhere near that, especially when the fad crashes and like draw something on who who bought draw something was that zynga Did it they was a zynga the yeah they bought yeah. the company that makes draw something like what was it, like a 200 some some huge number oh man we should have done some fact checking but we're just this is <laughs> a lot of zeros
1: yeah a lot of zeros
0: so and then as soon as like the popularity died almost like two or three weeks after that purchase it was like the most expensive lemon ever sold in my opinion
1: Well, like, Activision's pretty smart, right? They have data up the wazoo before they make a deal. with. I wonder if it was just to acquire that sector, get that talent so that they're going to go into mobile in a big way because they don't really have a mobile presence. You're you're
0: exactly right. They have zero uh, mobile presence that they currently own. I know that they've worked with other studios to produce, you know, titles based on IPs that they own. Like, for example, there was, uh, like, iOS Call of Duty games uh, that I'm aware of. Right? right. Or like companion app stuff. But it was never an Activision studio making the mobile thing. And right. this, if anything, it it almost cosigns how we feel about like people getting away from console, you know, and and mobile and indie and smaller games being, you know, kind of taking over the dominant or dominating the game industry. It's It's, it's hard to ignore it now. It really is. And as much as I can say this, and it may hurt my own feelings and a lot of people listening to this podcast, it's happening. You know, it is completely happening.
1: Yeah. So like, I think, of course, if you have $6 billion to spare and you're trying to break into a market that you really never had a presence, now everyone kind of knows that you're like the biggest player, at least even if they are on the downhill, like you're you're still number one. Like, right now, I, I saw a little chart. Like, they're number two as far as, like, uh, a game sector. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're only second to Tencent, mm-hmm. that mysterious China company <laughs> that owns Epic and all these different companies all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so
0: when I think about this deal, right, I think of the advantage that Activision has in now owning the information and the research and the trial and error and all of that hard work that King games had to do to get to where they are. Right. Yeah. So that I'll say is a very smart move and buying the number one, or le- even if it's the number two, right. Buying top echelon is, is very smart because I look at it and I'm like, man, $6 billion. You could start 50 iPhone studios. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You could start a hundred of them, but you don't have the experience. You don't have the connections. You don't have the pipeline. Like, yeah. Like, everything he- would be a discovery.
1: You didn't have the guys that made a company worth six billion dollars. <laughs> that's what you that's, now do have. Yeah, that's true.
0: So, does lightning strike twice? Though, like, just because they've been acquired now, do we think they're going to have the motivation or, or the the will to pump out another, you know, uh, sweeping customer acquiring game like Candy Crush?
1: Well, I mean, like, if I'm you look at...
0: I would be like, oh, $6 billion. Okay, here's how you do it. Here's the stuff. Okay, we're good. The money's in my bank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gone.
1: Yeah. If I was Activision, uh, I would probably retire. <laughs> but if I was Activision and I just made this deal, like, I would probably use it to leverage the licenses that I do have right now, right? So they're probably thinking, like, I got Call of Duty. I got Skylanders. I got all these different properties. Destiny. Like, how do I start using the re- these resources that we just bought, that know exactly what to do on mobile, that knows the pricing model, how it works? Like, It can go both ways, right? They can incorporate that, that pricing model into consoles and then bring their licenses into the mobile market in some form.
0: Yeah, I, I'll say you're 100% right in them buying the pipeline. Uh, that's definitely valuable. I don't think that that's anywhere near what the six billion dollars of it is for. I definitely think that most of that is like, yo, Candy Crush is printing money, yeah. and in order to incentivize the buy, they had to come up, they had to show like some juicy offerings. You know what I mean? Right. That's, definitely,
1: they probably have something in the pipeline. Uh, well, in in the back, like Candy Crush Two. <laughs> oh Lord. Or I hope something. It's not Candy Crush Two. They're smart people. If you have right. that much money pouring in, they're probably working on. A, Sustaining their 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 leadership in the mobile market. Do you think
0: Activision uh, would then start taking their console IPs and trying to find direct port uh, mobile or smaller versions? That's what
1: I'm saying. Yeah. So I think they're using that. They're going to ride that gravy train and then use the resources to move over. And, and, like, learn from the masters, right? Like, they don't understand really too much of the mobile market. Now they ha- are working with the number one mobile market uh, leaders. And uh, that, that can only help, if anything. Um, but, like, like tracing back, like, uh, oh, I just looked up for the people who were paying attention before. Uh, Zynga bought the draw something for, like, around $200 million. $200 million. Yeah. So... Not as close as six billion, but <laughs> <laughs> money that I would like uh in any way I'd <laughs> be happy to win or lose in that scenario like hey, Larry, hey. i would I would split half with you if I carry a million I would do that <laughs> I would be happy if I won either amount is this yes yeah. yeah, but like you know it's, it's kind of tagging back our first topic, like how dwindling how the long form type of uh game media how how gamers are were consuming console Mm -hmm. uh before um it's kind of like giving rise to why twitch is so popular why youtube gaming is is taking like a huge chunk uh or gamble into that sector like people watch more games than playing games now it feels like in a way or at least 50 50 you know
0: i disagree
1: you, you, you think people play more games than watching games?
0: I definitely think people still play more games than they watch. I just feel like because we're so connected to the internet, we're seeing the abundant amount of people who watch games, and we feel like that is definitely a lot more than before. But I can guarantee that there's more people out there playing games than people watching. I
1: feel like that is somewhat true. Yeah. But I also feel like there is a good amount of people that uh, is satisfied with watching a playthrough, than actually playing through it.
0: Oh yeah, uh, it's called. I have sixty dollars to spend and three games that I want. Which one am I going to buy first? Right.
1: The whole like how our how we grew up with consoles and how we're we're kind of dying out. Like I haven't really played as much games as I want to. Yeah. Because the time is so limited. Like as real life happens, kids and family and just yeah. personal life stuff. It's. Becoming more and more appealing to watch it. <laughs> oh, Even though that's I'm, good
0: point. I see what I'm, you're
1: saying. I'm holding back, sort of. Like there, there are games that I'm kind of foolishly uh, lying to myself that well, I'll get to it when I when I find the time. But like I'm I'm too uncharted behind, too guard awards <laughs> behind. You know, I'm that list is growing every day. Like the Steam sales, I'm still trying to stay relevant. Oh, Once man. in a while, I'll buy the 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 holiday sales. Because i like, well, I got to own it at $2 if I want to play it, right? But, you know, the reality is I haven't really touched those.
0: Well, I actually... So, this last year was the first year that I just completely avoided the Steam sale altogether. I even went in the store and I looked and I saw all the cheap goodness. And it was the first time that I was just like, all right, cool. Because I look at my bookshelf. I have PlayStation 3 games that are still in the plastic. I have Xbox 360 games that are still in the plastic. I have... So many Steam games that I bought because I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it at this price again. And I'm just like, I'm never going to play this game. Yeah. Because not only do I still buy new games that I want to play, that's taking the same, like, I still have the same two to three hours of game time, right? And it's like, okay, well, I just bought, you know, the new Assassin's Creed. Well, I'm not going to be able to play the stuff that's on my shelf. And when I'm done with Assassin's Creed, it's like, okay, maybe I'll play one of these old games. Oh, no, look at that. Some new game that you want to get. I realize that I I can't burn the rope from both ends, and so yeah, I had to. I can't acquire games faster than I can play. That's the new thing.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's some kind of over at Valve that they're, they're looking at the Steam data right now that they're finally hitting the ceiling as far as people collecting sales game and not playing it, mm-hmm. and now they're finally looking, taking a second glance at their library and realizing that oh maybe I should hold out on this sale. Yeah, I I think. They have something like that and they're probably dealing with that issue <laughs> where their Steam sale isn't year over year as good because of that reason people are, aren't playing the games they're buying
0: the sale is too good <laughs> the crack is too cheap yeah. it's just too cheap I now everybody's got that's gotta be crack. an issue
1: because <laughs> I, I was facing the same thing this is the first time in, in many years where I didn't even bother to look at the summer sales Yeah. like I, I feel full
0: I just don't want to do it to myself. It's, I, I've gotten to the point where I can see the money in my bad decisions, right? Like, I yeah. can see, like, okay, Larry, you wanted that. It's sitting right there, still in the box. But I bet you you wish you had that $60 in your hand right now. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: Yeah. Still good, though. Maybe once I see it.
0: Steve, <laughs> you're so good but so bad to us.
1: It, I mean, those emails always pop up. It's so good that they hook those wish lists to your emails and say, hey, man. This game you want is on sale right now. You better go get it. Uh, I don't want it.
0: They have all the money in the world right now. Like it's, <laughs> they don't need to do that to us. I know. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: but like you were kind of touching on it. Like The Apple TV is out. Yeah. Like, did you get a chance to look at all the, the news article that was covering it?
0: Well, I was more interested in seeing how they planned on using the Apple Remote as a controller because, you know, I'm very into how, it, how I interface or interact with these games. And so I looked at the, at the controller, at the button layout, and, and the uh, I guess the features that the controller has that would allow you to play some of these games just to kind of get a design sense on what types of games that I was going to be seeing on Apple TV and deciding on if I was going to get one or not. And the verdict is if somebody buys me an Apple TV, I'm all over
1: it. <laughs> what, so can you explain me the control? I'm not too uh, familiar with it. Uh,
0: okay, so take your television remote control or like uh, – that's not a good example. Uh, have you ever had a car head unit with like yeah. that came with a remote? Yeah. So like your Apple TV remote, you turn it sideways and you can use that as like a game controller. Like your volume up, volume down, your up, down, and then your other couple of buttons on the controller will be input for video games, plus tilt and motion and things like that. Um, so what's cool about it is, you know, you can go to the iTunes store and buy a couple of games and then just start playing it in your living room from your couch. And you kind of nice. get this like pseudo console experience. You're not going to get like super high level stuff yet, yeah. but you know, it, that kind of stuff could be on the way. If this concept proves worthy, I just have a feeling investment wise I don't see a lot of developers doing the whole three years to make a game for iOS. You know, I, I don't. I don't see that level of polish coming our way. Maybe I'm wrong. I just. I don't see it yet.
1: I mean, there is definitely a demand for, for for that type of long form. Like, I'm not saying AAA is dead and gone forever. Just like movies, no. right? No. We not. have. Yeah, just to be clear to the listeners, like. We got the big blaster, uh, big blockbuster movies yeah. that people love, and then we have the indie types that we 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 like, and like just like kind of like movie industry, the middle class of game development is kind of disappearing. So it's right now we're kind of like you either like the small chunks or like the really big games, yeah, in a way. And so I don't think anybody that buys an Apple TV is really looking for like a. Console experience, right? I
0: don't think so. No one's buying the Apple TV because they saw that it can play games That's more like you're buying the Big Mac, but we throw in the fries.
1: Yeah So I mean they're they're kind of dabbling it. Uh, Apple is dabbling in the game console Uh, but like very casually where it doesn't depend on that business model
0: gaming has been pretty good to Apple I must say, you know, yeah Uh, I know that a substantial amount of their revenue, like enough so that they can't ignore it. Right. Like, yeah, I remember Steve jobs didn't want people playing games on their phone and yeah. he was alive while Apple gaming was a thing. Right. Like, yeah,
1: he under he saw the data. He yeah. knew he, <laughs> that most, most of the apps are games. It's still games. Uh, like they're kind of leading the app store right now.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, there's, there's so much potential and, that is the new entry level for game developers now is like we're we're gonna be working with people who have only ever started playing games from app mobile phone, so could you imagine ten fifteen years from now when let's say you're lead uh you know or creative director somewhere or like I'm a creative director somewhere, and I have like some twenty year old designer who comes in? I can just hear it now, like all the ideas <laughs> are gonna be like, okay, so your hero comes into the room. He shoots three bullets, and then the pay gate is like, do you need more bullets? Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, shut up. No, that's that's a scary thought, man. That's a scary thought, that's for sure. We're going to have some colleagues get into our industry who have only ever been alive post, like, iPhone gaming.
1: Like, I, I wonder how far those pay gates are going to go. Like it's already annoying. Like yeah. even to this generation of gamers that grew up on iPhones, you're never going to get used to the fact that they're going to keep asking you for, for money.
0: Yeah.
1: Every time you want to progress past 2 minutes of gameplay. So, I mean, I think we're still in the infant stage, infancy stage of of figuring out that whole model. Like some games figure out better solutions than others, but most of it's going to be crap. So, I think at some point in the future there're going to be more and more common ways to 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 finesse that issue where you're not always asked to to keep buying stuff to play the game to play yeah. the goddamn game that you bought already
0: <laughs> well you know what it's uh here's one thing i do know about business is uh the dollar makes the decision right and yeah. if you want the dollar you're going to do what i guess is the popular thing like what the thing that people are paying for so if you notice that people aren't playing your game and your pay gate just isn't working anymore you're probably going to have to come up with some new way to sell your game and just maybe we as an industry will go back to you know what i'm just going to make this game and just sell the game just you know what you want the game just buy it just buy the game
1: yeah and people might
0: actually go back to appreciating that which would be great you know
1: it's really funny, yeah. Like <laughs> just going back to how it was. Suddenly, you stand out. This is, I think, how games were meant to be played. It was like, what? This is this is nonsense. <sighs> they haven't done this since nineteen eighty. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Well, I hope so because this whole it's good and bad in a way. But like, it's exciting to be in an industry that's always evolving. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of creative solutions that way. The competition is high in the mobile market. I don't know if Apple has like a a better way to showcase new apps. You're really just you really have to have advertising outside of the app store, like to really oh yeah move you know,
0: up. People have to know
1: that they're going to the
0: app store to find your game. Yeah, right. Like it's you're not going to just be in the app store. Like well, I'm just going to wait for the customers to show up. Yeah, Let's, forget it. You wasted your time.
1: Yeah, it's just too many good games that are still undiscovered. Yeah.
0: You could, I bet, if they stopped letting games and apps go onto the app store right now, I could live my life searching for and finding good games and playing them, and then go and looking for more before I found every single one that I would possibly enjoy. There's that many games on the app store that I could literally like, okay, oh cool, this is like Angry Birds too, and like I play that until I'm done. And it's like okay, I want to play something like a Hot Shots Golf. And I bet you I could find a game like that and play that till it's done. I could keep going until I die. And I bet you I wouldn't even get to all the games that I would possibly like that are on the App Store right now. Because there's just that many.
1: Yeah, it's a great problem and a bad problem for a developer to have. Like, Great for the gamer, bad for the developer, uh, in a way. Um, Because you really have to do... Really, really got to exhaust all your social channels, like anything outside of the, the app store to stand out. Yeah. But, you know, in a pro, in a way, it's the same problem to the gamer. It's like you, I guess if you don't know that there's a good game buried into that <laughs> heap of crap, uh, it doesn't affect you. But, um, yeah, a lot of games go unnoticed and sink for that reason.
0: Yeah. Um, well, how about this? Let's transition out of mobile for a little bit, but still Activision news. Uh, Black Ops 3 is out. Yeah. This is uh, the one year anniversary of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, congratulations, Treyarch, Black Ops team, and all of our friends who work there. Awesome job. If I see any of you fuckers, sign my copy because uh, I love having memorabilia from people that I know. So, yes, awesome work. Definitely happy to see what you guys have done with the franchise. And what's more important, actually, because we're talking about game dev Unchained, we're going to see mod tools come back to Call of Duty.
1: So I wasn't really familiar with mod tools being ever available. What, what game was it available?
0: Uh, I think World at War was the last time that I was able to make Call of Duty levels outside of, you know, actually working for a company that made Call of Duty.
1: Uh, so it was Treyarch, again, that experienced, <laughs> they experimented with this model. And Treyarch, they brought it-
0: thank you twice. <laughs>
1: Like I think modding is incredible. like it was my first introduction to game development. I remember you know I was modding counter strike uh in high school, like I was replacing all the sound packs with my <laughs> voices <laughs> and then like when when I get bored of them, I would like put gladiator you know uh on my signal on the shelf for the go 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 things like that, and it was fun. It was cool, only I heard it, but it was yeah. pretty badass. Like you can go in there and like replace the textures, and so that was my introduction. That was my confirmation that I wanted to make games for a living yeah. while in high school. So I think it's great, I make mean, especially to a Call of Duty audience like that many people, uh, you know, pretty hardcore gamers. Uh, like I, I always felt like a gamer, uh, it's a there's a very thin line between a gamer and a game developer if they really want to cross that chances are if you really if you really enjoy playing games that if you're introduced in the right way that you'll eventually want to make games and understand that that is like a well it's a good track to go if you ever want to cross that threshold you know.
0: yeah um Like I got my start with uh, Unreal Tournament, you know, because Unreal Tournament actually released the Unreal Engine, well, the Unreal Editor along with it, and so that's where I kind of got my start, was modding. And so, I'm very happy to know that a AAA game is, like, of this caliber is going to open its doors back up to the mod community and release games, because I think there might have been some fear that, like, hey, they're not going to buy the DLC if they can just make their own levels, you know what I mean? Right. Um, So... It's not on consoles, I guess. It's only coming out for PC. And the PC audience is nowhere near the sales of the console audience. So maybe that's why the caveat exists. But I'm not going to lie. I geeked out when I saw that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's, I feel like that's a very archaic fear, right? Yeah. You look at a company like Valve, who is very supportive of their mod community and is thriving because of their mod community. Like, no one's going to build as many levels as, like, millions of people versus, like, 50 people on your development team. Like, you no way you can compete with that. And they, at one point, realized that and decided to open the floodgates and just let people make stuff and make a business out of selling uh, Team Fortress 2 hats or uh, like Counter-Strike levels. You know, you're, you're, it's, it's a great way to keep the game alive. Yeah. Pass shipping. So. and
0: uh, it's a great way to introduce new developers to your technology you know yep. uh, imagine how easy it will be for all of the Activision studios to now recruit designers and artists because yep. they can say hey you know go get those tools and make us something
1: yeah like they can just go on the top 10 level from the community <laughs> and just straight <laughs> up just like let's hire people. this guy like, like, hey here's just a lighter this right here exactly <laughs>
0: here's a designer right here <laughs>
1: I mean, like the hardcore guys would be the one who are constantly thinking about the game outside of playing the game. Like, there's just no competition when it comes to a uh, to a fan uh, doing both, really.
0: So I think you and I need to have some fun. And when these tools come out, we need to make a map the game dev unchained podcast map and throw it in the community and let people play it but i I think just for fun we need to we need to jump on it somehow We'll, we'll figure something out guys but we're gonna do it
1: yeah definitely
0: as of right now we are 45 minutes and a little bit more into the podcast we're gonna take a quick commercial break brand and fam let the good people know that we're gonna come back i'll see you again in a bit i promise Learn how to create game assets in Unreal 4 with Leo Gonzalez, a professional artist in the game industry currently working at Certain Affinity. He's worked on games like Halo the Master Chief Collection and Lost Planet 3. Leo will walk you through his process step-by-step in this 11-hour tutorial showcasing Maya, Substance Designer, ZBrush, and Unreal 4. By the end of the class, you'll be able to build game-ready assets for Unreal games. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Yes, both sexes. Uh, this is a unisex podcast. Game Dev Unchained, Larry Charles here. We just had our break and let's bring it home for the last 15 minutes of the show. Mr. Brandon Fam, you still with us?
1: Yes, how you guys doing? Still here. So one of the few things that we want to close with is like, what, what is the future of Game Dev Unchained? Like what future episodes can you guys look forward to? Uh, how we feel everything uh, is going to work towards, um, you know... How are you guys going to reach us? Things like that. Uh, I mean, h- how do you feel about everything right now? Like...
0: I feel really good. I feel like Game School Online has successfully launched and successful meaning we weren't the only people talking about it uh it definitely got a lot of likes and shares from friends and we saw patronage as well we sold some videos and got some contacts you know just through game school online so that was great that's moving forward game dev unchained the podcast doing very well i must say i have a lot of fun recording these uh we're getting the most i guess uh interaction or engagement from the podcast uh we did almost a thousand plays in one week so that's pretty damn good right
1: it's better than one. It's better than me and you playing it back and forth.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> and a lot of them are uh, Redwood City, you know, Bay Area, San Mateo, for some reason. <laughs> but uh, shout out to all our friends back in the Bay where we used to live. Uh, thanks for checking us out. We appreciate your support, all of you guys. Definitely, hundred percent, nothing but love.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, like,
0: oh, how about you, Mister Brand Fam? Uh, one week in uh, to the podcast and one week into Game School Online. How's it looking on your end, buddy?
1: It feels great, man. It feels—it's uh, one of those things that I always encourage people to just accomplish um, one thing a day, uh, build that momentum. I, I think like the lessons that we've learned to the buildup of that launch was very valuable. Like you know, we spent like a good two, three months like hardcore just prepping everything. Uh, the podcast included. Uh, we didn't think we would be able to put out six episode day one, but we were able to, and we did it really well. Like we had a uh, really good guest on, and it was kind of like a we, we use it as a platform for us in a way to to learn more about our colleagues, more about their methods of unchaining themselves for game development, and yeah. and I'm. I I really appreciate their time. I really appreciate the listeners kind of sitting here with us in a way um, and just uh, asking the questions. We're asking the questions that they would ask. So I I feel like the progress that we're making is only going to build up. Like that New Zealand, Lithuania, Slovenia... (laughs) audience that we got growing is like, I don't know where you're coming from, but I'm glad you found us. Yeah. Uh, Everybody in South Africa currently learning about
0: game development. You know, yeah. what's up? Thank you.
1: How you doing? All right. So well, like,
0: Sikulele Africa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what kind of future episodes do we have in the bag right now? man?
0: So I think if we're looking at the next couple of episodes, we definitely need to listen to the audience. One of the biggest pieces of feedback that we got so far was this has been a boys club. It's been testosterone
1: heavy. Yeah, for sure.
0: sausage fest. Yeah. <laughs> can I say that? Oh, we're we're explicit. There's a little E on our podcast so I can say that. Is I don't want to say just because of that we got a girl, but no, it was brought to our attention that like, you know, there are females who make video games. I, I never would have thought that. But, you know, one of the listeners was very nice and gracious enough to walk me through it. So yeah. we definitely want to get, you know, the other perspective. Get some uh not so much testosterone on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean to be fair, we didn't purposely do it that way. No, no, not at all. No, but like we did like our first six episodes that we want to record you know we, we had a conversation it's like let's bring a female as part of the mix right but yeah. it's just like those two didn't want to do it <laughs> yeah. those two out of the, mill- the, the thousands of game developers were busy that day yeah. so
0: and i will say this uh the young lady that we have lined up for the podcast that we are going to film actually has a very interesting story and has gone through some things that she definitely wants to share with the audience that will be good for not just male but also female listeners as well So I definitely know that you're going to look forward to hearing about, you know, her side of the video game industry. And it'll be an eye-opening experience for everyone. So that's going to be a good one. Uh, Mr. Fram. what about yourself? Uh,
1: Another episode I'm looking forward to is uh, with a friend that we've known for a long time, even since our college days. He has always had a desire to work in the film industry uh, as well as the game industry. So we are going to interview him and talk about his journey of how he came from working on Bioshock Two, working on Destiny, like these huge blockbuster games, to working on like the top film companies like Weta, like ILM, like just to name a few.
0: <laughs> working on let's see, Transformers. Yeah, Transformers. World Warcraft movie. Ninja, Avengers, Ninja Turtles adventures. <laughs> yeah and Jeez. I don't know. I think man, he's got the best resume in the group. <laughs> he definitely has the best resume in the group, oh, but like man. Shout that, out.
1: that's yeah that is a very interesting interview of uh you know what how how would you transition if you wanted to yeah. um,
0: and he did the opposite thing, right? so like most people who are animators are like, oh, they start in film and they want to go to games, whereas but, yeah, we have someone who started in games and transitioned into film, which is I don't think it's done as often.
1: It's not done as often, and it's not as easy, like I would say film people going to games is a lot easier than uh vice versa yeah, so he has successfully done it. He is over at New Zealand working on weather right now, so he uh was gracious enough to talk to us about uh lessons learned and Uh, tips on how to how to do that
0: so definitely any animators right now who are interested in game dev unchained the podcast you definitely want to be on the lookout for this episode when it drops uh and one episode that i'm looking forward to personally when we release well because i'm into lifting weights you know i want to maintain a good shape for the rest of my life or as much of a good shape as possible uh we have somebody who is very critical in helping us achieve this level of fitness but a good friend of ours who is also a game developer and you know a a personal fitness trainer by night uh so to speak a volunteer personal fitness trainer he's that guy that like he's extra buff and you're like yo how do I get to do this? And he's like, well, basically, you just got to do these things.
1: <laughs> he's <laughs> definitely the guy to go to at a company. So, you know, once in a while you work at a place, there's one guy that stands out above the rest.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so he he gets the same crunch food as everybody else. He works the same hours as everybody else, but he maintains incredible shape. So this episode is definitely going to be all about how to survive A game developer body (laughs) like how to maintain (laughs) you know shape and form and and just things that you can do that you probably don't know about right he has all the tips and tricks that we're going to give to you guys on just surviving the game industry diet wise health wise still being health conscious and and exercising and working out properly because 99.9.9999 repeating her percent. Did I say point twice? <laughs> that many of us, that percentage doesn't do enough exercise, doesn't get enough exercise, doesn't diet well enough in the game industry. Have you gone to GC? Have you just looked into the crowds, into the masses? We're not as healthy as we should be. This guy is going to help change
1: that. Hell, I think half our listeners are already they have a donut stuck in their mouth while they're <laughs> listening to this, so <laughs> I mean, it's just something. that's very common in our industry. I mean, we're very crunch heavy, yeah. and uh, we have a certain gamer physique yes. that is very, uh, <laughs> very relatable to everybody. So, I mean, that episode was uh, should be a good one.
0: Yeah, and it's not about making fun of anybody. Like we've all been there, right? Like everybody's oh, put on the crunch gun. Let's be real. Yeah, guy,
1: girl, we've
0: all put on the crunch gut. This guy's gonna help us not do that. <laughs> it's plain right. And simple.
1: So I think that's about, yeah that's all the November episodes yeah. that uh, you guys can definitely look forward to. And, uh, you know, again, if you have any requests, please contact us and let us know.
0: All right. Um, I think we can call it a day there because I want to watch Empire, and I haven't watched it yet. It's on my DVR. <laughs> all right. Definitely. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks again for joining us for another Hour of Power. This is Larry Charles, one half of the amazing, the incredible, and always-sounding-better Game Dev Unchained podcast. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Brandon Fam to say goodnight.
1: Hey, guys, it's been great. It's a great time to say goodbye, and uh coming from the other half, have a good night or good day. If you're in New Zealand, good day. <laughs>